0: The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, o Lord. The angel Gabriel was sent from God to a town of Galilee called Nazareth. To a virgin betrothed to a man named Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And coming to her, he said, Hail, full of grace, the Lord is with you. But she was deeply troubled at what was said and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. The gospel of the Lord. You, Lord Jesus we celebrate on this great feast the glory of God and the hiddenness of God. We celebrate on this great feast the wondrous workings of God and the humility of God. It is a remarkable conjunction of realities that we celebrate on this day, which is not primarily a feast of the Virgin Mary. It is a feast of the Lord Jesus Christ. Even though we do not directly see him in our readings, he is hidden in a certain way and yet it is his voice that sounds through all of these readings consider the contrast for example between our first reading and our gospel on the one hand we have a prophet inspired by god and sent by god as a messenger on the other we have the archangel gabriel sent from heaven We have the prophet sent to King Ahaz, a descendant of King David, born of the house of David, a king, a ruler who will govern his people. And we have the archangel sent from heaven to a virgin, betrothed to a carpenter who is likewise of the house of David, but he's no king. We have King Ahaz receiving the message, and King Ahaz is a wicked, unfaithful king. And we have the virgin who is hailed by heaven as filled with grace. Not so worldly prominent, not so mighty, and yet faithful, humble, and full of grace. And both messages have a wonderment about them, something prodigious, something grand, and we have two contrasting responses. And to understand the response of King Ahaz, just think for a second about your own lives, about those things you sometimes find yourself saying to yourself spiritually. Oh, if only the Lord would tell me what I want, and I could just name it for him. If only the Lord would just do what I think is best. Every now and then our hearts go down that road, don't they? But did you ever wonder what you would do if the Lord said, okay? What is it that you really want? Tell me and I'll do it for you. And would there perhaps be a touch of hesitation, a touch of fear, a touch of worry that I might get it wrong? So note what happens. To the wicked king, note how good the Lord is. To the wicked king, the prophet comes because he's in a moment of crisis and the nation is in crisis and the prophet comes. The Lord says, ask for whatever sign you want. It doesn't matter how high, it doesn't matter how deep. From the deepest part of the earth to the highest part of heaven, go big. Ask for a sign and the Lord will give it to you. And this is what the human heart pretends to want until actually the Lord offers it. And what does this sinful, frightened heart have to say? Oh, far be it from me to ask for anything from the Lord. This is a man who hasn't been worried about being faithful at all, and suddenly he's worried about offending the Lord. How quickly, how quickly the pious excuses get erected when the Lord confronts us with the fullness of grace and we find ourselves not ready. What a remarkable moment this is. To no one has the Lord offered this. Tell me what you want. What sign do you need and I will give it to you And the king, who also speaks on behalf of the people, says, it's okay, I'm good. That's all right. Go ask somebody else. Small wonder, then, that the prophet looks at the king and the people and says, it's not enough that you're wearing me out. You're exhausting the Almighty, too. And now, consider this from the other end. Has anybody here ever been frustrated with somebody else? That's a pretty universal experience. (laughs) And when we're frustrated, especially when we say, I'm tired of asking you, I'm tired of telling the same thing to you over and over again, what do we normally do in our frustration? We cut the person off in some way. Well, good, then you get nothing, right? The interesting thing is that that is not God's response. As frustrated as he is with the king, instead of saying, fine, you get nothing, note what the prophet says is God's answer. You're getting a sign anyway. Whether you like it or not, I am going to give you a sign. How remarkable. Note the mercy of God here. Note the patience of God. You can hear the frustration in the divine heart in this statement, but it is a frustration that is going to express itself in the direction of salvation, not in the direction of damnation. And so you unfaithful people, incapable of even asking when I tell you I'm ready to give you whatever you want, I'm going to give you something anyway. And the sign that could be as high as the very height of heaven, as deep as the lowest depth of the earth, note how comprehensive that is. Something as big as everything or bigger. The virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall name him Emmanuel. What we have in our gospel is the sign that the Lord promised 740 years earlier to King Ahaz. Note how remarkable this is. The Lord offers, heaven speaks and offers the greatest of miracles. And earth refuses, it doesn't want to receive and pretends it's doing the right thing. And yet the Lord says, but I will give a sign. I will give a sign and note the sign. The sign is not simply the virgin and the sign is not simply the child. The sign is the virgin conceives, and bears a child. It is the two together. The child who comes by means of a virgin. The virgin whose virginity is fruitful unto motherhood Note the double sign. The fruitful virgin, the child, the fruit of her womb. This is the sign I will give you. And indeed, it is higher than the very height of heaven. It is deeper than the very depth of earth. It is vaster and grander than the universe itself. This mystery of the Word made flesh that we celebrate today St. Louis-Marie de Montfort following other theologians before him describes as the single greatest of the mysteries of Christ. That's a big statement. Greater than the crucifixion in some way. Greater than the resurrection in some way. And why would he say that? He says because this mystery is unique in that it contains within it all of the other mysteries. Just like the acorn has within it the eventual height of the oak tree. And all the the shade it will eventually shed. The lumber that will eventually be harvested from it. The color, the uh, the changing colors of its leaves, all of that is present in the seed. In, In potential, but it's there. This mystery, the incarnation of the Lord contains as a seed does the unfolding of all of the other mysteries of the Lord in time. They are all hidden, present, tucked away here in the child who is now conceived in the womb of the Virgin. It is no exaggeration then to speak of Our Lady here as the woman pregnant with salvation, as the woman pregnant and filled with mercy. She who begins filled with grace is now filled with Christ filled with salvation, not merely for herself, but for the world. A fullness that overflows towards salvation because it is the fullness of Jesus Christ. And so it is then, as the angel comes to Mary, and note, you will conceive in your womb and you will bear a son, you are the sign. A child is the sign. But note what else. There is something here for the people eventually to look at and to marvel at. Because this is the sign. But right now, it's hidden. No one sees it. No one knows. It's just Mary and the angel. The glory of God, the public sign, and yet hidden, hidden from view. We call this mystery the Annunciation, and it is the strangest announcement that has ever been made. Because by definition, when you make an announcement, you elevate your voice, you turn on the microphone and the loudspeaker, and you want everyone to hear, right? But this announcement is made to one person, and only one person. It is the oddest announcement in the history of the universe. The greatest news told to a single person. The hiddenness of God. The greatness of God. The wonder of this, and yet the humility in the way it unfolds. Greater than anything in the universe, and yet not immediately and directly drawing attention to itself. How marvelous this is. And so here it is. Our Lady is the only one at this moment who knows the name Jesus. She is the only one who knows he is truly present. She is the only one conscious of the great weight of mercy she now bears within her. But he is there. He is there in his full reality. And the eventual unfolding of all of the promises and their fulfillment is here within her, hidden and ready. Note how beautiful this is and how curiously we see so much about Jesus by not seeing him directly with our eyes. We see rather the face of the one upon whom he depends. We see rather the face of the one through whom he is pleased to give us himself. And what do we see? Jesus is the one who comes into the world through Mary. And we see Mary as she is the way he chooses to come into the world. We see that Jesus is the one who is pleased to touch the world physically for the very first time by becoming flesh in the womb of Mary. And she is the first place he physically touches the world. We see, as we hear in Scripture, that as the Lord comes into the world, as he becomes flesh, what does he say? Behold, here I am. I come to do your will, O God. But where does he say that? From within Mary. Note how marvelous. The first place Jesus prays on earth is Mary. Just as Mary is the first one to pray to him as she bears him within her. Behold, I will give you a sign. The Virgin will conceive. Oh, and she will bear a son. Note how marvelous this is. The inseparability of our Lord and our Lady in this mystery. He is present, but he is hidden. He is mighty, but he has made himself small. He is the glorious King, but he wears now our fragility. He can do all things by his own might and he is pleased to depend on someone else. This is Jesus. Note what we see. We see his greatness and his humility. And we see the greatness of his humility and the humility of his greatness. We see his glory. And we see his hiddenness, and we see the hiddenness of his glory, and the glory of his hiddenness. How absolutely wonderful this moment, this mystery. Greater than all other things, and yet so largely unknown, so little understood, so poorly appreciated by us. And yet, here is the sign, behold, you tiresome, troublesome people, the Lord himself will give you the sign. The virgin, indeed, she shall conceive, and she will bear a son, and she will name him Emmanuel, meaning God is with us. Small wonder that St. Louis-Marie de Montfort looked at this mystery and did not simply consider it the greatest of the mysteries of Jesus Christ. He considered it the very center of his spirituality and saying that if one would draw close to our Lord and if one would draw close to Mary, one begins here contemplating Jesus living in Mary because one sees how greatly he loves us here one sees as well the humility and the gentleness with which he reaches out to us here. But one sees as well that within that humble gentleness and gentle humility is the very right hand of God powerful to save, reaching out to we who are fallen to lift us. What a great thing we celebrate. And note how wonderful it is that we who reflect on these things here in this place today will witness this same humility of Jesus Christ who descends once again from heaven to this altar. And he who from the womb of Mary on coming into the world said, Behold, I come to do your will, O God, on this altar says the same thing. Behold, I come to do your will, O God. And what is that will? That God be worshipped and that we be saved. And on this altar, this same Lord Jesus Christ, great and powerful, infinite and rich in mercy, hides himself under the appearance of a little bit of bread and a small amount of wine. But it is him. It is that same humility that same hiddenness, that same glory, that same might, that same power. And he comes. He comes today not to the Virgin Mary, but he who has given himself to you and to this world through the Virgin Mary, comes now to you. And note how wonderful this is. Some of us gathered in this church may be more like the Virgin Mary than others. Some of us, myself included, may be more like the wicked king Ahaz than others. But note that he comes to all of us, the pro, just as the prophet and the angel came to the king and to the virgin. And what does he say? Behold the sign, that sign, higher than the very height of heaven, deeper than the very depth of earth, he born of the virgin is here for you. And so the question is, do I come forward to him with the self-serving, hesitant spirit of Ahaz, or do I come forward to him with the generous obedience of the virgin? Do I say, oh, far be it from me, I'm good, Lord. I'm not ready for this. Or do I say, behold, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. Because on this day, that is what the amen to those words, the body of Christ, really means. And note how marvelous. How after receiving him, he who enclosed himself and hid himself in the virgin will be hidden within you. Truly there, truly mighty, truly loving, truly infinite in his goodness but he is pleased to bring that goodness out into the world through you. What a tremendously marvelous, unspeakably great mystery we celebrated. Let us indeed feast well on the banquet of faith today. Let us extend our hands to the saving presence of the Lord with real but humble confidence. And at the end of this celebration, let us go forth rejoicing, knowing who it is that has enclosed himself within us. Amen.